Welcome to the Lighthouse Community Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope today's teaching will encourage you in your faith and help you develop an increasing desire to walk with God. Let's listen in. All right, well, uh, welcome. I I endorse zero of those tips that uh, you heard this morning. So, uh, yeah, hey, welcome to Lighthouse Community. My name's Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, glad for all of you to be here, especially all of our guests. And then want to give a shout-out to Fostoria Community. We're so glad you guys are with us today, and everybody joining us at Lighthouse Online. Thanks for being here. I wanted to share just a quick update about the family and some things that are going on across the family of churches. Uh, If you haven't heard yet... A Bluffton community is in contract to purchase the building they meet in, the center, right? So, like, we're pretty excited about that. This is a a clear move of God in the process. And so what they were going to be a temporary setup and tear down, they have the opportunity that that's going to be their permanent home. So we're pretty jazzed about that. And when we think about the opportunities that that opens up, uh, to be able to be a permanent ministry center right there on the north side of Bluffton, uh, to be able to connect with Bluffton University, uh, the families and the people people that live down there, uh, thinking about the midweek opportunities that that this opens up. This is a really great uh, door that the Lord has opened, and we're wanting to walk through this well. So where Bluffton is at is they're hoping and expecting to close in early to mid-December. What they've done so far is they've saved over the last year or so about $100,000 for their initial down payment. Now, they still need to raise about another 55000 in the process. And, and that's kind of where the family of churches comes in, where we can help each other take ne- next steps in ministry that God puts before us. And so this is not like a, an obligation type thing that I'm going to put in front of you, but I just know that there are some people in Lighthouse community uh, who care deeply about what's going on in Bluffton. Uh, some of you have the spiritual gift of giving. Uh, some of you know the open doors that this can uh, provide for Bluffton. And so we just wanted to throw out to you that if you would like to participate and help Bluffton uh, get to that uh, initial down payment to close on their building, what you can do is uh, either on your gift, if you'd like to give, you can just mark that for uh, the Bluffton Community Building Fund in your note or your memo, uh, or you can give online. And there's actually a, an option for the Bluffton Community Building Fund uh, that will go directly to them and help them get there. So uh, just over the next 30 days, if the Holy Spirit moves you and leads you to do that and be a part of it, uh, I would welcome you. Uh, I know there's a couple of people who are already planning to do that, and so I think this would be a great way to come alongside of Bluffton, encourage them, bless them, pray with them, let them know we're behind them as a family. So just want to throw that out as an option uh, that we can be a part of expanding the gospel right here in our region. So Uh, So as I was thinking about this week uh, in our series on God Made Marriage, um, I I remember back when Christine and I married in July of 2002. And then before we even made it to Christmas, I already felt like I had made one of the worst decisions in my life marrying this girl, right? Like it was it was not good. We were not getting along. Uh, we were struggling to connect. We had run out of things to talk about, right? You're just like staring at each other. Hey, did I tell you? Yep, you told me that story, uh, right? It's like it was not going well. And just what made it even worse on top of that is I knew Christina was feeling the exact same thing that I was feeling, that she had made a really bad decision in marrying me. And I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do? Like, what? Because I, I knew God was calling me into ministry, and I'm going, 
I don't think very many churches hire divorced pastors, right? So it's like, I got I to gotta make this work and take one for the team. And, you know, this is what's going through my mind. And I'm just like, here we are just a few months into a lifetime of marriage. And like, I'm already done, right? I don't know what to do in that moment. And as I'm thinking about marriage, like marriage has this, this wide array of experiences. Um, like marriage can bring amazing joy and hope, and then there are nothing else can crush your heart and your spirit, like some things that happen in marriage, right? You've got two unique individuals attempting to join their lives together, right? Like marriage is hard. It's just, it's challenging, it's hard, because he brings his past, he brings his baggage, he brings his, uh, you know, habits that he's used to doing, she brings her past, she brings her expectations, she brings her habits, and then you move the both of them into a one-bedroom apartment. What could go wrong, right? Like, nothing. This is a recipe for good. But sometimes... Like marriage can be so challenging that we end up making very significant decisions like we just avoid marriage altogether. And, you know, if I just stay away from that, then my life will be better. We, we end a marriage. We try redefining marriage. Or you, what you do is you just accept the distance. You go, well, we're just, you know, it's the way it is. At least we're not fighting, right? Like, well, yeah, you're not even talking. So, you know, like, where, where is that? And so the question is, you know, it's like, how do two people become one? How do you, what does that look like? How do you even get there? Like, what process does that look like? And so today what I'd like to do is I want to show you from the Bible how God joins two lives together through marriage, and then actually how this helps us understand our own relationship with Jesus and what it means to follow him. And so if you brought a Bible, I want you to open up to Genesis chapter 2, or you can click over there on your device. And, and we're in week two of this marriage uh, of this uh, series called God Made Marriage. We're not in a marriage, uh, but you know, I don't know, maybe it feels like it. Uh, but you know, we're in this week two of this series. And, and the goal for this series isn't so much that, that you would come out with this picture-perfect marriage, this Stepford Wives approach to living your life, but rather the goal of this series is to discern how do we rely on on God more and more in our lives every day, okay? That's where we're going. Um, here's what I want to do before we get too far. I just want to take a moment and pray together. I just really feel that, that burden uh, in this moment. So bow your heads and, and let's pray together for just a moment. Father, I want to be uh, really cautious that as a church family, we don't simply go through the motions this morning. Um, I pray that we would hear truth with remarkable clarity. And, and even as challenging, um, maybe even as much as it pushes against some areas of our lives that we haven't been to for a while, Holy Spirit, would you grant us the courage to let you go to places in our lives that maybe we've been fearful to do for some time, and we would let you do 
work in our lives and begin work in our lives even this morning. So may your scripture speak with clarity and, and may our spirits resonate with truth, the desire to walk in reliance on you. We ask these things through Christ. Amen. All right, so uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 is where we're going to be at today. And it's a pretty short passage, so if it's okay with you guys, I'd like to just read that passage out loud together. Um, Here, starting with, uh, therefore a man shall leave. So are you ready? Go. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's the passage we're talking about today. And so I want to just pull out three truths from that that seem really clear about how two people become one through marriage. But, but real quick, I just want to give a context. I don't think, if, if you look at that chapter 2, you see God create man, you see God create Eve, he joins them in marriage, and what I don't think is happening is after God introduces Adam and Eve, he like pauses the moment, he goes, hey, by the way, Adam, Therefore, a man shall leave, right? Like, because he doesn't really know what a mother and father is, right? They, they haven't had that yet. So I don't think it's God explaining it to Adam. What I think is happening here is it's Moses, right? He's with the nation of Israel. They're at Mount Sinai or maybe somewhere around there, and he's giving the law, and he's sharing, you know, where our origins come from. And he's saying, by the way, this is why marriage looks the way that it does. I know other nations and other tribes around us do marriage this way, but this is what God's design for marriage is. And so he's explaining to the Israelites, to the Hebrews, why marriage looks the way that it does, how it rolls out the way that it does. And so just keep that in mind as we're talking about this today. But here's the first truth that I think comes out of this passage, and it's this. A husband and wife uh, leave their parents. A husband and wife leave their parents. Now, it, it, literally, there's nothing remarkable behind the word leave. It just literally means to leave. It literally means to, to let go. And, and isn't this really, parents, isn't this our intended goal for our children? We, we want them to go, and we want them to go well, and we want them to, to, to flourish and to take next steps in their own life. And, and it's right. It's right, and it's good for them to go and to learn how to trust God for themselves because they've got to have a relationship with the Lord. Now, now the leaving, it's not so much like this burning of bridges, and, and you cut all ties and you walk away. That's not what the Bible's talking about, but rather the leaving is that my parents are no longer the primary source of support like when I was a child. That, that's what this leaving is talked about in the scriptures here. And I think a great image of this is in Mark chapter 1. And you come across uh, two guys named John and James, and they're brothers, and they're fishing with their dad named Zebedee. And Jesus comes along, and he says, hey, follow me, be my disciple. And so now James and John are like at a decision moment. And when you read Mark 1, what you see is that James and John chose to go, and they left their father Zebedee, right? So think about that. They could not both stay with their father, and go with Jesus. To go with Jesus meant they had to leave their dad. And so I want you to think about this. If you're Zebedee, right? On the one hand, you're like, oh man, like, like the boys, they're going, with, they're going with Jesus, the rabbi. This is so great. This is awesome. I can't believe it. I can't wait to tell my wife when I get home what happened and what took place. And then there's also this sober moment going, well, who's going to help me put these nets away? Right? Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to miss these guys. And, 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 you know, so it's like this both and that he's wrestling and he's struggling with. And so 
can you imagine both the joy and the sober-mindedness that Zebedee's going through? And, and that's what marriage is supposed to look like, leaving your parents, right? So they can go with their spouse. And so I just want to say real quick, parents, uh, if you have married kids, one of the ways that you could really help them is to support them in their leaving, right? To support them in their leaving. So when they come to you with problems and challenges in their marriage, here's what I would encourage you. The first question that you might ask them is this, when they come with a problem is, have you talked to the Lord about this yet? Right? Have you talked to the Lord about this? And then the second question you might ask is this, have you talked to your spouse about this yet? Right? Like encourage and support them in their leaving. I know that's going to be challenging, but you're no longer their primary source of support like you used to be when they were a child. Now, right, they're, they're leaving and they're taking the next step. Why? Why is the leaving so critical and so important? Well, that's the second truth out of the passage, right? Is that a husband and wife hold on to each other. A husband and wife hold on to each other. Now, this, this phrase, hold fast, out of the scriptures, it carries this sense of, of clinging to another person and, and holding on with tenacity. It's like, I, I'm not letting go no matter what. And that's why right, husbands and wives actually have to let go of their parents is so that now they can hold fast to their spouse because marriage re- requires this new inseparable relationship to develop because this new relationship is marked by relying on each other, holding on to each other. A couple of weeks ago, Christine and I were, were packing boxes, and as I'm packing boxes, you know, you're like, you've got to tape, you know, tape them together. I don't trust that fold, right? That's not as tight as some of y'all think it is. But so I pull out this stretch of tape, and, and I cut the, the tape off at the end, and invariably, you know what happened next? Right? Yeah, it stuck to itself. And like with scotch tape, no big deal. You just pull that thing apart. This was Gorilla Glue tape, all right? You know what I'm talking about? I'm over here just like, right? Like, I'm everything, and that thing will not. You'd have an easier time separating atoms than than pulling this piece of tape apart. And so it's like, I'm thinking about that and go, that's what marriage is supposed to look like. That, like, even if there are forces, like, opposing and and wanting to rip you apart, you just, you refuse and you hold on. And you're like, you're going to, if you want us to separate, you're going to have to kill one of us to pull us apart, right? Like, that's, that's what that holding fast is supposed to look like. And so this new way of life begins, right? The starting place is your marriage commitment. When you say your vows and you look at each other, but then it it doesn't, it doesn't just stop there. It develops the whole rest of your life. See, that's the way it's supposed to work. It keeps going. The way that's that the longer that you're married, the more inseparable that you become. And that kind of a commitment doesn't happen just automatically because you're checking off days on a calendar. You've actually got to be really intentional within that. You've got to choose to hold on to your spouse no matter what. And, and I'd like to throw out two questions for, for people who are married to, to consider and just reflect on for a moment. Those, the first question is this. In what ways are you still living like a single person? Maybe refusing to rely on your spouse. Right? And the second question I would invite you to reflect on is this. Are you holding on to someone who's not your spouse? Are you still holding fast to your parents? Are you still holding fast to your friends? 
Are you still holding fast to your siblings or some hobby or something along those lines to get you through the tough moments? Because the way God's designed marriage, a husband and a wife are actually to hold on to each other. And that brings to the third truth, which is that a husband and wife mysteriously become one flesh. Now, there's all kinds of theories out there on what this one flesh means. And so some people have said, well, I think what Genesis 2.24 is referring to is, is you know, sexual intercourse. And when I engage in sex only with my spouse and no one else, and that's what it's talking about, the one flesh. Other people have put forward this idea to go, well, I think it's talking about soul ties, this really intense spiritual connection between the two. And that's what the one flesh really is and what it looks like. And, you know, I'm not sure where that lands, but can I tell you what the Bible says about this, this two becoming one flesh? It, you have to look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 31 and 32 to really understand what's going on here. Paul actually quotes Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and it says this, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Look what he says next. This Mystery is profound. This mystery is profound. He's saying this joining of two into one flesh, it's a mystery, but it's true, right? And, and I'm resisting not teaching on this passage because we're going to dial in on this thing on week four. But, but what I want to say is Paul's doing like a double, a double take at the same time. He's talking about, yes, the uh, marriage is a mystery, but also the, the mystery of marriage exposes the mystery of the gospel to us and helps us understand more about our relationship with Jesus. And even though it's a mystery that's being revealed in front of us, it's still true. You know what it's like? It, you know what else is a mystery? The Trinity. You have one God. He's three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and each person is fully God. How does that work? I don't know, but it's true. It's true, right? Doesn't, just because you don't understand it and it's a mystery doesn't mean it's not true. It's like the incarnation of Christ. He's 100% God and he's 100% man brought together, right, in the person of Jesus Christ. How does that work? I don't know, but it's true. How do two people become one flesh? I don't know, but the Bible says it's true. And because of that, that means I hold marriage in high regard, and I honor it, and I protect it for the beautiful mystery that it is, right? And that's why in marriage, you've got to bring all of yourself, your, your whole self, right? All of it, like holding nothing back. You got to bring the good. You got to bring the sinful. You got to bring the unrefined. You got to bring your victories. You got to bring the baggage. You got to bring the strengths, like all of it. One husband and one wife come together and make one flesh. And, you know, when I was growing up, whenever you did one plus one, one plus one equals two. And yet here it's like one and one are one. And, and I love math and I love numbers. I'm a little bit of a nerd. And I started thinking, what mathematical situation is one and one still one? I think I heard over there. Yeah, it's multiplication. One times one equals one, right? And so I started taking down that trail a little bit further and I started thinking, what do you get when you multiply half by a half. You actually get a quarter. You get less than. And that's exactly what takes place when a husband only brings half of himself into a relationship and a wife only brings half of herself into a relationship. You don't grow to one. You actually get less than. 
And so you got to bring your whole self so that God can take the one husband and the one wife and bring them together into one flesh. And I think the way that looks is you trust God and his design by leaving your parents, leaving whoever else it was that you were holding on to, and you hold on to your spouse as God mysteriously brings you into one flesh. So when I started thinking about, well, how do we live this passage out by faith in Jesus Christ? I think there's two ways. First, I'd like to talk to the husbands and wives first for just a moment, but then I want to talk to everybody um, in how I think this plays out. So, so husbands and wives, I think the way that this works out uh, in your marriage relationship is this, is you've got to hold on to each other unlike any other human relationship. I think that's what Genesis 2.24 is inviting us into, to hold on to your spouse unlike any other human relationship. And I think you hold on spiritually, you hold on emotionally, and you hold on physically. Okay? So spiritually, how do we hold on to each other? Well, I want you to think about this. When Adam and Eve very first met, they were in the presence of God. Right? God brings Eve to Adam, they introduce, they join together in his presence. You go one chapter later when sin enters into the world and the whole thing falls apart, whose presence are Adam and Eve in? Who are Adam and Eve relying on in that moment? Not the, yeah, it's not the Lord. It's not the Lord, right? And you see what happens out of that. And so you got to know that you need the Holy Spirit. You need the gospel in order to hold fast to your spouse. You need prayer, to, to resist self-centeredness and selfishness, and you need prayer to move towards humility and servanthood. You need the very words of God to guide you. I was thinking about Jesus when he was being tempted in the desert, right? 40 days, 40 nights, Satan's tempting him. He's all this kind of stuff. And the first place Satan goes, he says, I know you're hungry, just turn this into bread. And what's Jesus' reply? It's Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. And he quotes this section of that passage. He says, listen, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Right? And so there's going to be times when you're tempted to follow some other principle, some other guidance, some other, someone else. And it's like, no, I've got to rely on the Lord. I need the very presence of God if I'm going to hold fast to my spouse. And, and for me, there's two things personally, that I've found very helpful. The first one is most mornings, um, I, I just start my day in Scripture and I start my day in praying. And one of the things that I spend time praying about is I pray for Christina and I ask this question, what is important to her today and how can I reflect the love of Christ to her? And I take time to practically answer that question, right? It could be, I know she's got a busy day, I'm going to help pack the kids' lunch, or I'm going to drive them to school, or I'm going to, you know, or she's got this going on. And so I just try to be very, very practical in how I answer that question. The second thing that I've done that I found helpful in regards to this as well is I will find Christina before our day really begins and gets going, and I will pray with her out loud in her presence and in the presence of the Lord, right? Like those two things we have found very, very helpful for us in being able to trust and walk with Jesus together. So you got to hold on spiritually. But you also have to hold on emotionally. 
So when you look at Genesis 3, for Adam and Eve, you start seeing problems pop up when they start listening uh, or relying on someone else instead of the Lord, right? That's where that thing really begins to break down. And so for some married people, your challenge right now is that you haven't left your parents yet. You haven't left your friends yet. And the way you can know whether that's happened or not, like when a problem happens in your marriage, like your spouse hurts you, your spouse offends you, you know, they don't hold up something that they said they were going to do. When that happens in your marriage, who do you talk to first? Do you call your dad? Do you call your mom? Do you call your friends, right? And you know what happened is like, right? It's like, hey, man, you're never going to believe what she did again, right? And you're like, oh, I knew it. She dropped her like a you know bag of wet laundry, <laughs> you know, or like I knew he was no good girl, uh, you know, whatever, whatever it is. But right, some of us we make a call to someone else, and the reality is the first conversation when something goes down in your marriage, the first conversation you should be having is with the Lord. And I talk to my Father in heaven first, and the second conversation actually should be with my spouse. Okay, that's actually what that should look like. And so when you celebrate, you celebrate with your spouse first. When you mourn, you mourn with your spouse first. Why? Why would you do that? Because you are entering into a new relationship in which you are learning how to rely on them like the way you used to rely on your parents, your friends, your hobbies, your whatever. You're now relying on them. Now listen, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you should never talk to your parents and you should never talk to your friends, right? Some of you guys are like, well, that pastor said I shouldn't be talking to my parents. And so, you know, see you later, mom and dad. Sign our sucker. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not talking anymore. Some of you go, amen, I'll sign up, right? Like, uh, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, but think about this. Think about the difference. Instead of going them with a problem that's still in flux, what if you went to them with the story of a problem that just got solved? Hey, you know, me and, me and Bob were fighting, and man, he, he, he asked for forgiveness. He admitted where he was wrong, and I forgave him, and man, God's moving in my marriage. Isn't that awesome? And so now it's this testimony of celebration rather than uh, a story of, that raises suspicion, right? You're, you're letting the Lord work through that. And so connect with your spouse first. And then you got to hold on to your spouse physically. And, and let me just give you the really plain meaning of what I meant by that. You should have sex with your spouse, that, that's, what I, that's what I think that that's what the scriptures are saying. Marriage is the only context. I want you to hear this very clearly. Marriage is the only context that sex is a gift and should be enjoyed overwhelmingly and thoroughly. Okay? In every other relationship context, sex brings destruction and heartache. Let me say that again. That is very important, especially in our culture and our day. In every other relationship context, sex brings destruction and heartache, right? And so that is to be enjoyed in a marriage relationship. And so just, again, for some of our married uh, friends, one of the reasons that you may be feeling emotionally distant from your, your spouse is because you have been physically distant, right? You've stopped holding hands. You've stopped embracing one another, right? You've stopped doing those, those moments of touching, right? You're, and, and let me throw this out too, just being really plainly. Resist using sex as a weapon in your marriage relationship, right? So when you look at the Bible, this is the one area in a marriage relationship where God said, enjoy it, right? Like be fruitful. You know, if you haven't made it there yet, 
go read the Song of Solomon, right? There is all kinds of stuff in there. Where there some of you guys are going, you're going to read it and you're going to blush because you ain't even been there yet, right? And so, but this is the one, right? Like sex is what makes your marriage unique from every other relationship you'll have. Because listen, you're going to pray with other people who aren't your spouse. You're going to study scripture with other people who aren't your spouse. You're going to counsel other people who aren't your spouse. You're going to go, uh, you know, go out to dinner, could take trips, go on vacation, right? You're going to do all this stuff with other people on your spouse. But the one area, the one area that is meant for your spouse is what makes that unique. It's God's design for sex would only be shared with your spouse. So that's how, one of the ways you hold on physically. Now, for just a moment, what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk to some of our friends who have experienced divorce in their past here in the room. Because I can imagine in a, in a message like this, there's all kinds of questions, and potentially even some guilt, right? What about me? What is leaving? What is holding fast? What is one flesh? What does all of that mean for me? Because everything you're saying, like, I've blown it. I've blown it, and it's over, and, and so it's, it's moved on for me. What does that mean for me? Well, listen, divorce is one of the risks that come with marriage. It just is, right? Divorce is one of the risks. And I want to tell this to you, is that God did not, from the beginning, God did not desire divorce for your life. Okay, I know that there are some extreme uh, grounds within Scripture, right, where God has made allowance for that. But his desire is for, is for spouses to work through things together, right? And you can't control what another person does. And in all the marriage counseling I've done and helping people take the step of marriage, I have yet to meet the couple who's like, you know, we're really looking forward to the ceremony and then the honeymoon and living together. And the one thing we're really looking forward to is our divorce, Right? Like, no, nobody's going into marriage going, you know, I can't wait for that day. Right? No, nobody's going into it like that. Right? And so, listen, if, if that is your background, it happened. Okay? It happened. And, and you just got to, you can't unring that bell. Right? It's taken place. And so, what do you do? How do you move forward? What does that look like? Well, here's a couple things I think that that looks like. Is one, I think you just confess to Jesus just the failures that went in there, right? Like even your own ownership in, in how that came apart, right? And just admit it. And, and ask Jesus for forgiveness, right? And, and if it's still possible, right? Seek reconciliation, seek to move forward, right? And know that God has forgiven you. And, and no matter what, you move forward relying on God, trusting him every step of the way. And so if you're in that category and you haven't remarried, here's what I would say. I think you just trust God's plan for your life. You walk with God, and if he brings a new person into your life, then you let God lead that relationship, right? You don't force it into being. You don't necessarily resist it, but you trust God every step of the way. Now, if you did remarry, I think the same thing. You trust God's plan for your marriage. You trust God's plan for your life now. Be the helper to your spouse. Help them to rely on God in a way that they wouldn't be able to do it on their own, right? And so I want to say this, going through a divorce does not mean that you are damaged goods. And going through a divorce does not mean that your past has to define your future, right? That's the gospel, by the way. The gospel says, yes, I know you've walked in independence. I know you've walked in opposition to the Lord. But if you come in true confession and you come in repentance, that Jesus Christ will make you new. And your past does not have to determine your future when Jesus truly comes on the scene. That's what we're talking about here. That's the gospel. And that's actually what I think Genesis 2 is inviting, us, inviting all of us to do. 
I said to the spouses, hold on to your spouse unlike any other relationship. I say to everybody, hold on to Jesus unlike any other human relationship you have, even your marriage. That's what I think Genesis 2 is speaking to us today. And here's why. Jesus is your only true soulmate. You know you were made for Jesus? You were made to know him. You were made to love him. You were made to rely on him for absolutely everything. And no other relationship will satisfy you. No other relationships can stand up underneath the weight of what you need and what you require. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And I want you to notice something, right? We talked about leaving, we talked about holding on, and we talked about one flesh. I want you to check this out. Jesus Christ left his Father in heaven and came into our broken world. And he pursued after us, sacrificing, giving, giving his very life for us. And the Bible says that those who say yes to Jesus by faith are now his bride. And what's amazing about that is now through faith, we're able to hold on to Christ as Christ is holding on to us. And while that's happening, you have the ministry of the Holy Spirit mysteriously bringing us into one person with Christ. You see? You see that that marriage is this dimly lit image of what our relationship with Jesus Christ is really supposed to look like, right? The ways that we rely on him. And you've got to know that a good marriage will not fill your soul. Because some are here and you're going, I'm going to figure out the four tips to get to a better marriage and that's going to make my life better. It won't. The only one who can fill your soul is Jesus Christ. No other human being can, can take care of you that way. They're never designed to. Your marriage was never designed to be the fulfillment of your life. Jesus Christ is meant to be the fulfillment of your life, which is why you hold on to him, unlike any human relationship, even your marriage. Because when you do, he rightly guides you through every other relationship you'll have with your spouse, with your parents, with your kids, with your friends, with your coworkers. St. Augustine referred to this as ordered love. When you get disordered love, when you put your marriage first, when you put your kids first, when you put your job first, when you put your friends first, you're disordered love and everything gets out of whack. But when you love Jesus best, most, and first, everything, Jesus begins to guide you through every other relationship that you have. So hold on to Jesus. So I'd like to throw an idea out for our church to consider this week of taking a next step. And it's this. Prayer. I'm, run, I'm wondering this week... Would you be willing to pray in two specific areas? The first would be, would you be willing to pray for some of the marriages that you're connected to and that you know, right? Uh, You you might do something like this. Maybe you'll list off seven marriages that you're connected with, and each day you'll you'll commit to praying for one. And you'll pray that the Holy Spirit will teach them how how to leave their parents or whoever else they might be still holding on to, how to hold fast to their spouse, and how to let the Holy Spirit mysteriously bring them into being one flesh, right? And the second, what if we committed this week to praying for the people around us? What if by name we prayed for believers that we know, that that God would would invite them to hold fast to him, unlike anyone else, that that we would learn how to rely on his word instead of ourselves, that we'd, we'd lean into prayer? What if we prayed for people who are still spiritually lost and we would ask the Holy Spirit to to lead them to genuine faith that one day soon they would say yes to Jesus 
in their own lives as well, right? And so I'd like you to invite you to consider that as a next step that you might take uh, this week in your life. And I just wondered, like, what can God do through a praying church that is choosing to seek him first? What could God do through that? What healing could happen in marriages? What healing could happen in, in personal lives? Like, what could God do through an entire church that's praying and seeking him first? So it was a Wednesday night, and Christine and I were sitting in church for a revival service. And the preacher was uh, speaking about fear and how Christ's love drives fear out of the life of a believer. And as we're sitting there, I remember we were getting close to the place where we were coming up on two years of marriage. And I'd love to be able to tell you we were looking forward to celebrating it. I think all we were looking to do was acknowledge that it was happening, right? Two years, we made it, you know, um, just being honest. <laughs> and, uh, but that two years had felt like an eternity up to that point. And as a preacher speaking, I realized that my life was characterized by fear. I was, I was afraid of failure. I was afraid of exposure. I was afraid of divorce. I was afraid to get too close to Christina. I was afraid she was getting ready to leave me. And, and, and right as all of these thoughts are flooding through my mind, that's when he invited people to come forward to pray. And I knew the Holy Spirit was telling me to go, so I did. And I went down and I knelt down at the front of the room. And, and, and what happened next, I, I genuinely hope I never forget it in this life. Um, because I remember as I'm kneeling there, the preacher comes over and he begins to you know, ask me, how can I pray for you and what's going on in your life? And so I'm not really a very emotional guy, but in that moment, I was broken. I'm just weeping at the front. Tears are pouring out of my eyes because I didn't know what else to do. And so I just confessed everything to him, right? It's like my marriage is failing and I don't know what's, you know, God's calling me into ministry and I don't know how to, what next steps I should take and what does that look like? And, and I had no clue what to do. And so he's kind of talking. And then there was this moment where he just realized it's time to be done talking. And he said, I'm just going to pray for you. And so he started praying for me. And then I began to feel other hands come on my back. And they were, I started to recognize voices that were praying behind me. And they're voices of my friends and, and people that I knew. And, and, and they're praying for me. And then I noticed another hand on my shoulder. And I recognized that hand very clearly. It was the hand of my wife. And I could hear her voice behind me praying for me and praying over me. And I'll tell you, that was an amazing moment where I felt loved, I felt cared for, I felt seen, and I sensed God's presence in that moment of prayer. Right? It was remarkable. And it was with the Holy Spirit's help that in that moment I made the decision that no matter what, I was going to stay committed to figuring out how to rely on Christ through my marriage to Christina. And I had no clue all that that meant. Not an idea. And that night was a watershed moment for me. And, and I'm not going to tell you that from that moment, like everything went fine and Christina and I were great, right? And we're like high-fiving all the time. And isn't married life great, right? Like that, that is not what happened, right? But let me tell you what did happen. We experienced God move in our lives. And we started learning how to confess to one another. We started learning how to grant forgiveness 
to one another. We started learning how to rely on each other and to hold fast to each other unlike any other human relationship that we had. We learned and how to become one flesh. And I want to tell you what, we just celebrated 20 years this summer. We are still learning. We are still learning how to do all of that today, right? I want to tell you this because some of you can relate to my story in the beginning. There's hope for your marriage. There is. There's hope for your marriage. And even if you're not married, here's here's what I want to tell you. There is hope for your life. Because some of you feel the weight and the pressure of things that are going on. You're going, I don't know what to do next. I'm going to tell you what you should do next. Hold on to Jesus and never let go. That's the invitation. The question is, will you trust him? So I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes and to simply ask this question, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And I just want you to listen to him for a moment. Whatever next step that God may be inviting you into, what I recognize is this. He's inviting you to rely on him more, not rely on him less. This is exactly one of the reasons why we always offer prayer at the end of our services, because this is a clear step of a decision that I'm going to choose to rely on the Lord instead of relying on me. And so let me tell you what's going to happen here in just a second if you're new to Lighthouse Community. Uh, We are going to sing. The band's going to lead us in one more song. And as they're doing that, we have prayer leaders who are making it to each corner of the room. And they're going to be available to pray with you about any area of your life. It does not have to be about marriage. It It doesn't even have to be anything we talked about today. But they're going to be available to pray with you about any area of your life. And please, please don't ever be embarrassed to want prayer. Like every one of us needs prayer, right? Here in the earlier service, I was, I was praying with one of our leaders because like, man, Christina and I, we have some decisions we've got to make actually over the next three months. And we really want to do what the Lord wants us to do. And we don't know what that is yet. And so I'm coming. It's like, well, you know, right over there by this cross, I was asking that person to pray for me and pray for my family. And because we want to discern the Lord's will on that. We don't just want to make a decision on our own. And so so I just want to invite you, no matter what it is, man, like, let's go to the Lord. Let's trust him together because that's what he's inviting us to do. So, so I want to pray for you, and then I want to invite you to do the same thing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer right now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.